Another blockbuster in the NFL, this time Tyreek Hill has been sent from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins. Mike McDaniel, former 49ers offensive coordinator. How does all this tie in and what does this move do to the San Francisco 49ers long term? The Niners re-signing some of their own. Jordan Willis, Dante Johnson, Jeff Wilson, and it looks like Bobby Wagner might stay in the NFC West. All that and more coming up on this edition of Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at DD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Thanks for making us first. You're making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day day and it is every day we do it all year long in the off season as well croc and you know why we can because of stories like this it's non-stop man it is non-stop the niners doing some more work in free agency resigning some guys but the big news of the day around the nfl is the tyreek hill trade kind of came out of nowhere to me croc i don't know if you've heard whispers of this one but tyreek hill on his way to the miami dolphins from the kansas city chiefs and becomes the highest paid Wide receiver in NFL history, five draft picks going the other way. Mike McDaniel's trying to build a track team over there. He already brought some folks from the 49ers to Miami, one being Raheem Mostert and his ridiculous speed. Now he brings probably they're one and two, two and one, the two fastest players in the NFL, right? In Raheem Mostert and Tyree Kill. And they just drafted last year with making use of those picks that the 49 that they got from the 49ers. In the trade down from number three, they went to 12. They went back up to get Jalen Waddell at pick number six overall in the draft last year, who also can flat out fly in the four, three range. So man, instantly the fastest offense in the NFL. Yeah. Now it's just, can they utilize it? You know, and the big, I think question with them, I asked this question on social media uh, during last season was, man, they got Jalen Waddle, but he's averaging less than 10 yards per catch. Like, what's up with that? I had over 100, 100 receptions, which is amazing. But, you know, watching him at Alabama, I mean, he was stretching the field. And I asked, like, why weren't they using him in that uh, capsicity? And the answer I was getting was, well, the offensive line is so bad that it can't hold up to let plays develop, routes develop to where you're able to throw the ball down the field. They had a couple guys this offseason, Teron Armstead. Uh, they added uh, Connor Williams from Dallas Cowboys. And I think they're hoping that those guys will hold up to where now they could push the ball down to downfield to not only Waddle, but Tyreek Hill as well. So yeah. um, Tyreek Hill is not just a downfield guy. Right. I mean, if you really watch Kansas City and all the time they did a lot of those things, they used him all over. Matter of fact, I'd say most of their big plays to Tyreek Hill, I don't want to say most of them, but like probably half of them, weren't like designed big plays. A lot of times it was uh, Patrick Mahomes, he, you know, first read, maybe not there. He starts to move around, gets outside the pocket. Tyreek Hill adjusts, and they just let it rip and throw the ball down the field. We'll see if maybe uh, Tua can add some of that to his game. I wonder if they might be handing the ball off to some of those guys a little bit in a Debo, Debo Samuel sort of role. We all we, we know that those guys are different than Debo Samuel, and you can't find the next Debo Samuel, but the 49ers had so much success, and so I think they're going to try to be creative, create some space there, move those guys out around a little bit, get them open in space, and hopefully you know, Tua can be that dart thrower 
over the middle of the field, kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo has been in that offense and facilitate those guys to run after the catch and make some big plays. I think that is that is the plan. But I think it's a good point by you, you know, not only to help out the running game, but bringing in Armstead and bringing in Connor Williams and helping out the offensive line for Tua, give him a little bit more time. So maybe they can do a little play action and hit some down the field as well. Yeah. Is it interesting to you, Croc, that Kyle Shanahan has never really had a Tyreek Hill type of player? It doesn't seem like he's really chasing that style of player. Yet both of his disciples in the Jets and the Miami Dolphins were the two teams that were in on going and getting Tyreek Hill. Why wasn't why weren't the 49ers in on it? I think we know why <laughs> they weren't because he's going to take up uh, you know, as much salary as Jimmy Garoppolo is for the 49ers this season if he sticks yeah. around. Oh, man, I was hoping to not mention Jimmy Garoppolo on this podcast. Dang it. Um, but yeah, is, is that interesting that, that it was the two 49ers disciples, those two styles of offenses that uh, that are going after Tyreek Hill? Yeah, a lot of people were saying that. But I would say, you know, he, he has kind of not going after like Tyreek Hill, right? But I'd say guys that he felt like could come in and stretch the field, he, he's went after those guys, maybe not so much in the draft, but clearly in free agency with Tavon Austin, right? It didn't work out. But with Travis Benjamin, eh, it hasn't quite didn't quite work out. With uh, JJ Nelson. So I do believe he's Goodwin? looking for that. Doesn't get any faster oh, than Marcus Marcus Goodwin. Goodwin. Yeah. I, I I do believe he looked for that type of guy, but maybe never had the guy, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What it does really for the 49ers, though, the tie-in here is obviously Debo Samuel. And the future contract that he's going to get, which by the week is just going up and up and up. And we just saw what Devontae Adams got paid after he got traded to the Raiders. Now seeing what Tyreek Hill's getting paid after he got traded to Miami. And you know Debo Samuel's seeing dollar signs right now. And you know if he has another season like he had last year, he's going to be asking for everything that those guys got. Right. And, and, And as he should. And I mean, it's crazy. And maybe because people can't anticipate that a large amount of money going to Debo Samuel, as well as seeing what these guys are are getting in. I saw on on social media, you know, I keep my ear to the ground when it comes to that and listening to these spaces and see what the fans are talking about. So maybe we could discuss some of those things on here. Trade Debo Samuel? I saw that kind of floating around. I thought that's ridiculous. Like, you don't draft a guy for him to be as good or better than what you expected just to be like, oh, no, let's trade him for all these draft picks not knowing who the hell or what the hell that's going to be. But no, you, you keep Debo Samuel and you pay him whatever the market says he's worth. I would say there's one. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It doesn't make any sense at all. Pay him what he's worth. Um, I, I worry about how he's going to hold up maybe a little bit, which is why I would rather pay Debo next year because he's, we already know he's going to ask stupid money now. So might as well wait a year, make sure he can prove he can be healthy, especially if he's used in a little bit of that that role at running back again too and then pay him, you know, just to make sure he can do it again. Because he's, he's been a one-year wonder so far. He was good his first couple of years, but he, he didn't have that type of year to be asking for what D- Devontae Adams is asking when he's done it over and over and over again. Well, Tyreek Hill's done it over and over and over again, right? So let's see Debo do it again, and then we'll see where he gets with his contract maybe next year. And then you could, you know, now it even makes more sense to franchise tag him if, if you have to, if you're the 49ers, just to help get a deal done because that franchise tag is, you know, going to be crazy anyway but it'll be you know not as long term as what a, a crazy deal would be when you sign him to you know 20 to 25 million which is what he's going to be asking for um but would here's you, the would, scenario would you consider him being a guy because again you talked about 
you know, the different ways they utilize him. You talked about not one hit wonder, but having one exceptional season as opposed to these other guys who have had, you know, five, six, seven seasons that are, uh, you know, elite, you know, status. And that's why they're getting paid so much money. Which, when you think about Debo Samuel's age and factor that into a contract, and would you actually lean more towards potentially franchise tagging him twice, have him play on whatever it is this year at 26? For, uh, franchise tag him, so at 27, plays on franchise tag. At 28, maybe play on the franchise tag. And then going into 29, you kind of just, you know? I I mean, I, if he would let that happen, yes. But I have a feeling you there'd be no number 19 at training camp when training camp opens. And maybe not when <laughs> you tried to if you tried to get him to play on the franchise tag. So maybe the franchise tag is just a way to not let him leave in free agency. And if he does want to leave in free agency, you get those two number ones in return, right? Or someone's got to pony up with a big trade. Um, and it just keeps him around so you can figure out that contract a little bit later into the offseason or something like that. Um, but I think they'd be able to get a deal done. But they did it with kind of Warner and Kittle, not quite as much because they'd had good years leading up to their best years, but they paid those guys right after their best year. They paid Eric Armstead right, right after his best year, right? So I, it's, just, it's kind of bad business just to pay a guy the most money right after they had their one best year one time. Right, and we've seen other teams do kind of the opposite. Look at the, you know, my guy, straight out of Stockton, Tremaine Johnson. The Los Angeles Rams, he had a good year. He had a year where he had like seven interceptions. And they were like, uh, not quite sure. Let's franchise tag him. So they franchised him. Yep. And then the next year, they franchised him again. Did not want to commit long-term. And then they let him hit free agency. And he made a lot of money, you know, uh, from the New York Jets. It didn't work out for the Jets as well as it worked out for Tremaine Johnson. But we have seen a team where it's like, you know, and I'm not saying – Debo's Tremaine, but Tremaine, I think he was looked at as a really good cornerback and uh, kind of fell off a little bit for whatever reasons, but they franchise tagged him twice. He played on it because, I mean, at that time, those two, year, two years um, being franchise tagged in the road, 30 million bucks. Yeah. Like, what and would it be for Debo? If you were to D, and again, you want that long-term security, but if you were to franchise tag him twice a year, I mean, that tag number, because of Adams' contract and Hill, it's going to be about $25 million each year. So if it's 25 no, it one that, year, then it won't be that high. Uh, I believe this year it was 18 or 19. Well, that was so before. It, it'll, go, it'll go up, but it's not going to, because it's still an average of the top guys. It's not just who the very, very top is. So it'll still be an average of, you know, but it has uh, to be an average between the 30, 28, and then probably a couple of 22s. Uh, Wait, 30. That's, that's what uh, Tyreek Hill's average per year. is. No, no, no. I think it was only, 23 and a half and Devonte adams turns out to only be 22 i think huh? it, it, it was way lower than the initial report every contract i've seen has been way off from the initial initial reports or at least structuring. okay so yeah um what i saw with tyree kill was like four years it was like four years 130 million or something like that that was what i saw no uh, i well unless it's unless there's been new reporting since what i saw i saw it it was a three-year extension after this year so four years total he has left but this year's contract stays the same for him. So the three added years start next year and it's 375. So it's um, 25 mil per year, but it's less than 25 this year. So it works out okay. being something like 23 and a half over the next four years on, on that contract. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the and then Devontae Adams, crazy, is, Devontae Adams is a lot lower. Von Miller is another one that was a lot lower because there's just two years of, there's like $50 million over the course of two years at the end of the contract that he's never going to see. And yeah. so 
you know, there's some funny money and some some weird structures and some lying from the agents when these deals get done. So it's not as crazy as it looks as far as what the franchise tag will be and what Debo will get next year. And these guys have longer track records, so they might get more. And those teams are forced to pay him a lot because they are they're changing teams too. So we'll see if the Niners can get deal done with Debo before he hits free agency next year. And that might even be this summer. I have next an idea about a trade that could happen and maybe it's Debo probably not, but I think there is a trade scenario that does make sense and it wouldn't be this off season that something like that would happen. And we got to talk about the players. The 49ers have resigned and brought back and then maybe uh, Bobby Wagner could be uh, facing the 49ers twice a year continuing just like it was before more of the same crock. Uh, we'll get into all that <laughs> stuff. Next, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Bet Online here, and I was kind of surprised to see how originally, when the Bet Online odds for who's going to win the Super Bowl next year, when those odds came out, I was surprised the 49ers were a top five team when they were going to have a, a first year starting quarterback coming back in 2022. I don't know if that's going to be the case now. We'll see what happens with Jimmy G and the 49ers quarterback situation, but they've been passed up by a couple of teams since free agency. Now, the 49ers still, though. Seventh in the NFL at 14 to 1 odds to win the next Super Bowl. The only teams ahead of them are the Rams, the Chargers, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Bucks, and the Buffalo Bills at number one. And you can get in on that action at betonline.net. The college basketball tournament is in full swing now. All the latest odds, contests, and player props, Bet Online is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and information, not just wagering, but sports scores and news this season as well. And it's not just football and basketball. Your favorite Vegas casino games are there. You can do live betting during games. Uh, you've got NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, boxing, just about everything you would want to wager on. You can find it at Bet Online. So get over to the website or use your mobile device and learn more about the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL, Locked On Experts, covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. How about this for a trade idea, Croc? Not, I'm not even saying this is something I would throw out there as a, as a trade, but I can see one scenario where the 49ers have to do something a little bit shocking and surprising trading away a player, an offensive pass catcher. I don't think it's going to be George Kittle. I don't think it's going to be Debo Samuel, but it could be Debo tag and trade scenario. And the scenario would be Brandon Ayuk in year three breaks out just like Debo Samuel did in year three. If all of a sudden Ayuk has a crazy season and let's say that the Niners this off season, this summer re up with Debo Samuel. What do you do with Ayuk? Because he'll be in the same situation just a year later that Debo's in right now. And there's been a really good connection, right? Seemingly with the young quarterback, Trey Lance, and Brandon Ayuk. What if Brandon Ayuk goes off this year? The 49ers probably can't pay Ayuk along with Debo, along with Kittle. So at that point, maybe the 49ers do have to send away one of their receivers. But I think that's a next year problem, a next January, February problem, not a right now problem. Uh, you look at some of the pictures that are floating around on Instagram, and it's clear Ayuk and Trey Lance, they are working hard to develop that rapport. They're training together on their speed, on, you know, throwing, receiving every which way, while, you know, Debo's enjoying himself out in Miami. He's training as well. I see 
videos of him training, but just not with his quarterback. And, you know, how much of a poor report is uh, Trey Lance going to continue to create with Ayuk? And, and what does that mean statistically for both Ayuk and Debo? I, I don't foresee a big dip in in Debo's numbers, but maybe Ayuk can have a season to where it's like, well, you know, he's, he's younger. <laughs> he's the younger of the two by probably a few years. And, you, you know, he's pure receiver and all that and the other. And he takes his game to the next level. He's everything Kyle wants. And maybe they do let him go. But the only thing I, I'd say that makes it hard for me to even fathom that, they have talked about the relationship that Debo Samuel and Kyle Shanahan have, where Debo is talking to him every day. They talk about everything. Uh, anything you can think of, I guess they talk about those things. So uh, I, I would say, you know, Kyle would have a really difficult time doing anything to move on from him. Now, K Kittle, again, another guy that everyone loves, and I think everyone, he exemplifies everything that Kyle Shanahan wants his team to stand for. So I have a hard time thinking Kittle goes anywhere as well. So, you know, I guess what it comes down to is if any of those guys are going to get traded, it's going to be Ayuk. Ayuk. <laughs> I kind of get the same vibe, and I could see a big year from Ayuk next year. He's the odd man out, especially if the 49ers end up drafting another wide receiver this year that shows up and is on his rookie contract at that point, and that looks like he can be a wide receiver too with Debo and maybe even replace Ayuk. And I think the 49ers should be in the market for that player to not only have you know three explosive good wide receivers on their roster, um, but potentially, you know, you got to still develop and, and have some good players filtering through. So, and with the money that wide receivers are making these days, it's a lot cheaper to develop your own guy than to go out there on the market and spend not only draft picks, but money too. Like, is that even a smart team building strategy? What the Raiders are doing, what Miami is doing to send first round picks, second round picks. Like that's two picks in the top 50. It's hard to build the rest of your roster that way. It's not like this is the last piece for Miami. I don't think to be in just like a Super Bowl team, you know, they're not trying to go. It's not like the rate or the, the 49ers and the Cowboys from back in the day, where they're trying to, you know, just go right over the top of somebody like they've got a ways to go. Right. And with the Raiders, I mean, they're still fourth in the division, right. On paper after going and getting someone like Devonte Adams, so you're spending crazy money and draft picks for the wide receiver position. And every year there's a dozen new good wide receivers coming into the league. I don't know if it's necessarily smart strategy or not, but, um, I understand why the teams would do it, but I don't know. Do, do you, are you down with those moves from the, the acquiring teams? Cause I kind of feel like the chiefs won this deal. I, I think, uh, I don't know if there was a clear cut winner on this, the chiefs. I think you would think win because I mean, at least they can, they can draft and develop a receiver. They have two cracks at it now in the first round and you get two fifth year options on whoever you choose at that spot. You also have a terrific pass catcher, Travis Kelsey. We'll see what happens with Juju Smith and Michael Harmon. But Kelsey, I mean, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill scared everyone. And he changed the way that you had to play defense. And they lose that element to their offense. Just that scary stretch of field. You got to, you know, shade your defense this way. Keep a safety over top. Now you can probably give a little bit more attention to uh, Travis Kelsey and those things. And then from the Raiders' perspective, I think what helps the Raiders, uh, I mean, Devontae Adams, Carr, they've played together. I, I think this is their chance to just kind of go all in and be able to compete in the AFC West. But and I, I, I agree. It's not the ideal way to build things. 
But I kind of like it more for the Raiders than I do the Chiefs. <laughs> than the Chiefs trading away uh, Tyreek Hill. Not ideal. Not ideal at all. But uh, those offenses will be a lot more fun to watch with those players. That is for absolutely sure. What do you think about Bobby Wagner potentially going to the Los Angeles Rams? I don't think it's a done deal yet, but from what I've seen, he's visiting the Rams. And I haven't heard about Bobby Wagner visiting anybody else. And there was some heat about Wagner saying he wanted to play with Warner or wanted to stay in the NFC West. And I believe he's from Southern California, Los Angeles area. So, I mean, that would just go right right along with what the Rams have been doing, right? Big, big time yeah. names, stars and scrubs roster. I know. I see. I see a lot of my guys are like, how, how are they doing this? 49ers weren't signing anyone, but the, the the Rams, they've been able to sign anyone they think about. But I'm like, nah, they, they've lost guys. They lost Von Miller, who they traded for. Uh, looks like they might lose Odell Beckham. We'll see if he ends up returning. They had to trade away uh, Robert Woods. Yeah, they, they, they've lost guys as well. So, Starting corner? Starting oh, corner. Hinton. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Bobby Wagner, again, I, I don't know. Who is Bobby Wagner right now at this stage in his career? Now, I'm not saying he's washed up. I just, I, I legit don't know. From what I see or hear about where he's at right now, he's not what he used to be. Now, does him not being what he used to be still a step above Aziz Al-Shayer and Jay Greenlaw? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't have any real thoughts. It was just, it. Yeah, Bobby Wagner's the wrong position for the 49ers to be going after. It'd be more frustrating if it was, say, an edge rusher or, you know, something like that. But Bobby Wagner, I, I think you had to let that happen. But I see the frustration from 49ers fans because they really want the 49ers to do something. You don't trade Jimmy, and the Rams are over here still doing their thing, and, and there's so many big moves happening around the NFL, and, and the 49ers really aren't getting involved in any of that right now. We'll see if they do. But they did have some signings, Croc, that we've got to talk about next. And I want to see... Croc, show me your shocked face. That Dante Johnson is coming back. The 49ers have re-signed cornerback, safety, slot, nickel guy, do it all, special teamer, Dante Johnson. Not shocked at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I like Dante Johnson more now than I did a year ago. And I liked him a year ago more than I liked him three years before that, right? Like I, I'm I'm glad. I want Dante Johnson to stick around now. And I, I like the way I like his attitude. Uh, I, I like the role that he's been able to start playing for the 49ers where they haven't really had to lean on him, but he can give you some snaps on outside at outside corner. He can play some safety. He knows the defense. You know, he's been around. He's a veteran. He can play nickel, play special teams. So you need a guy like that. You need depth. And that's exactly what Dante Johnson is. I've been fighting this battle with a lot of fans about him. And it's never ideal when your sixth corner has to play but I've always told, like, you can do a lot worse than Dante Johnson. He can fill in at multiple spots, slot, outside, safety, just as you were just saying. I mean, that's that's big-time value, as well as be someone who plays special teams. So a lot of people have been really frustrated <laughs> that he's able to stick around on the 49ers, but I, I love it. I think he's the perfect sixth corner. Perfect. Yep. Hell, he had to come in in the playoff game. He was part of the reason why the 49ers were able to beat the matter of fact, he started that game against the Packers, right? Yes. He started. Amber yes. Thomas was hurt. He started that game. I mean, you know, to be able to have your guy again, he started off on the roster as this sixth corner 
on your depth chart and had to start a playoff game and you did not lose. Like to me, there's that's value there. Absolutely. He did not get picked on. Now, early on, first drive, it looked like, uh, oh, it might get a little ugly. But after that, it was, it was solid. Yep. It was good. Yep. <laughs> so, he raced right. that first that first uh, drive, and you're like, hey, he had a hell of a game. Matter of fact, when he got hurt and Josh Norman had to come in, people were scared. They were shaking, like, oh, no. Josh Norman, I mean, uh, uh, Dante Johnson, he's he's out. Hopefully, he comes back. And, you know, obviously, he came back, like, the next drive. But that just shows, man, really good value. I like nine-year vet and a lot of people they get on Trent Balky for miss picks or mishandling of, of a roster and he did have a mass exodus uh heading into the 2015 season but shout out to him for having a guy like Dante Johnson around who's been in the league nine years now and it was a what a day three pit yeah and the 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 mental toughness you know the the the, the stick to for him who's been off the roster been on the street come back multiple times and actually this is the earliest he's been re-signed in a while right doesn't he always get signed like in the summer so he got he got a he got a second wave free agency signing in march so good for dante johnson jordan willis re-signed defensive end i mean it was worth it just for the game he had against the green bay packers and the the blocked punt but does this you want arden key yeah does this mean arden key's not coming back it might but i mean jordan willis is gonna get less money so that's one thing, but I think, you know, okay, but I think it might mean that Arden Key's going to walk, and man, I think you have to start looking at pick 61 with a, with a situational pass rusher at least, because Abel Com, if we see the guy we saw at the beginning of the year next year, or the if we see if we see the guy next year that looked like the beginning of the guy, the beginning of the year guy last year, that's not good, but if we see the guy all year that looked like the end of the year guy, then that'll be much better, but I think the 49ers have to prepare because he's going to be a free agent anyway to develop another guy and you know jordan willis is a nice role player but he's not that dude right you know he's just a rotational defensive end play a little special teams for you but i think they need to find that guy and they need to be cheap with the money bose is going to be making on the opposite Peacock, side they have that guy they have that guy who d4 uh. he's still on the roster <laughs> uh he's just a placeholder he's just dead <laughs> he's like walking dead money what, he <laughs> what kind of placeholder is this? I, mean, I haven't seen anything like this. Or have you have you seen anything like this where it's a guy is just you can't he's just there. He's there. I mean, he's not even he's not there. His name is there, and there's a check that goes out to him, but he's, he's making a lot of money. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And again, see, that was one of those where you gotta pay draft picks and you gotta sign a guy big money. Yeah. Who's later in his career. Those those kind of deals don't work out great a lot of the time. That's not the way you want to have to do business. And you force yourself into a corner if you have that huge need like the Raiders and, and maybe Dolphins did. I'll go, I guess the Dolphins didn't have that need. Kind of too similar. I don't want to talk so much about the Dolphins roster, stealing all these Niners, but you know, I'm kind of interested in how that ends up looking for Mike McDaniel. The the the, the, the most similar guy to Waddle was Tyreek Hill in the league. So is that too, like, cause you want to have that basketball team out there, right? You need your small forward, your power forward, your point guard. They just got two point guards now. Now they got their small forward too. His name is Trent Sherfield. Oh, they got Sherfield. That's right. And they got uh Devonte Parker, you know, you so know, they, they did sign Cedric Wilson. They signed Cedric Wilson from the Dallas Cowboys. You're right. They got a ton of wide receivers over there. What are they doing? Did they really have to do that and pay that much for Hill? I, weird. I didn't think so. Kind of weird. Jeff Wilson 
has been re-signed as well by the San Francisco 49ers. So basically he's your uh he's your short yardage sort of a almost hybrid fullback at times. I kind of liked the way they used him though in that way where they would have Jeff Wilson on the field and then all of a sudden he'd be the running back but then he'd become the fullback and then Debo Samuel would motion to the backfield and he'd become the running back. So now you got, you know, a, a 21 personnel situation instead of 11 personnel situation and jeff wilson's not afraid to hit people so i like him in that role yeah uh, he's a good guy to have around he's kind of like the dante johnson of running backs now where he's kind of you know at the bottom <laughs> of the pecking order but you're not worried about it when he comes into the game yeah i like him i like the way yeah. he runs runs hard yeah. he's physical i like his mentality I, I like watching the videos of him pre pre-game where he's just like super focused and it's like he's mm -hmm. just like looks like he's just gone uh yeah i like i like jeff wilson and there's some there's some runs by him that just stick out of my memory his rookie year running against there was one against the Seahawks where he just bucked the dude just boom and there's another one against uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers I mean he was he just ran so hard you know and I know obviously got the game winner against Arizona and stuff like that yep. but yeah I like Jeff Wilson I like him a guy who coming out wasn't very big he was listed at like 195 pounds he plays yeah. much bigger than that. That's for He's sure. still not big that big, but he plays much more physical and, and bigger than his yeah. side. Um, and he's still undefeated, I think, on that Texas route or option route or circle route, whatever you want to call it. He's really good on that one coming out of the backfield. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think the 49ers need to look at speed. They, I think they need to add a guy. They lost Raheem Mostert, the only really fast running back on the roster now. Jermichael Hastie's kind of shifty, but he's not, you know, uh, game-breaking type of a speed guy. So Elijah Mitchell's the number one back, and he's got the most top speed. I think the 49ers could be looking maybe day three for a guy with some some speed. So I think that's going to be one of our uh, scouting series here before the draft coming up real soon. Real quick, Croc, can you tell the story about, and we've been teasing it for a few episodes and haven't gotten to it, but um, Damari Mathis, he is a cornerback that at his pro day just jumped out of the building 43 and a half inches at Damari Mathis's yeah. Uh, pro day he ran really well at the combine too at 511 196 pounds could be someone the 49ers are interested in out of pittsburgh uh, he ran a 439 at the combine then jumped 43 and a half inches at his pro day so an explosive athlete but um i, I was it his mom that didn't like something you said about him as a prospect croc no, you know, the crazy thing is I didn't even say anything about him. Matter of fact, I actually responded. I was like, look, I, I said something good about your son, but uh, I guess this was kind of a cool moment. Almost like hey, Eric Crocker, you've kind of arrived here in the in the minds of some people as a, a cornerback talent evaluator because his mom randomly, I don't follow her. I don't think she was following me. I don't know. But she tweets out, my son has been underrated his entire career. He remains humble. I just did not anticipate the politics. HTP, I think that's held to Pittsburgh. HTP, held to Pittsburgh, I think. Um, Makes sense. ACC champs and go to the NFL Combine and run a 4-3-9 in a 40-yard dash and still no hype. Put some respect on Damari Mathis' name, NFL Combine, Jim Nagy, Eric Crocker. So, <laughs> it was oh, a dude, that's great. She, I mean, she called you out, out of nowhere. She was she's just like repping for her son. I love that. So yeah. did you go back at her advice and go watch a little bit more of Damari Mathis? Is he a potential future 49er crop? I, I said that I would. I have not yet. Um, but I said, you know what, ma'am? That's on me. You know, I'll take that. I said, uh, I'll get on him soon. I 
I did post a little something about him while I was at the Senior Bowl, but after watching his film, or so, but uh, but after watching his film, I'll go more in depth. All right. So what I was talking about was um, I had posted this tweet while at the Senior Bowl week. I said uh, wasn't one of my focus guys because I had like this group of players where I was like, oh, I'm gonna focus on these because if you if you just go in there and you're just watching everything, you'll end up watching nothing. So I had like a few players that I wanted to specifically watch, but I noticed this guy and I said, wasn't one of my focus guys. This is from February 1st while I was at the Senior Bowl. Wasn't one of my focus guys, but Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh showed some good stuff. Extremely competitive in one-on-ones. Good eyes, good reading receivers down, showed good feet, hips, and uh, I definitely had some uh, gram- grammatical errors here. I said, but uh, but he worked outside and inside the slot. And I put hashtag senior bowl, hashtag, hashtag at senior bowl. So uh, a lot of people saw that. Some A lot of people had great things to say um, in response to that, like my original tweet. But the mom, yeah, she just came at me, man. Uh, you know, you're not talking about my son enough. All right. Well, we, we got to talking about him today on the show. And just looking at the profile, hearing you talk about him, inside, outside versatility, 5'11", 196, 439. He's got some pretty decently long arms, just a hair under 32-inch arm length. I mean, that fits the profile. Emmanuel Mosley. Um, uh, uh, Thomas, Amber Thomas, right? I could totally yeah. see the 49ers taking Coach a look. Marion? Sorry, Mathis. Co- Absolutely. Uh, Coach Br- Brendan Marion, who's now the uh, – he's a receiver coach at Texas and, like, offensive – and he's, like, offensive something and receiver coach at Texas now. He was a receiver coach at Pittsburgh last year. Uh, quick little comment on there. He says uh, – he loves to compete and work. So that was good. And a lot of his teammates came, and uh, there are a bunch of his teammates responding to my initial tweet uh, talking about, you know, how much of a gamer he is. So Damari Matthews, somebody I definitely need to do more breakdown. And then I saw a couple of videos of him kind of floating around the other day of people showing some of his abilities. So might be somebody that's a little slept on and under the radar, as mom said. Absolutely. Competitive. I like that. I like that a whole lot with a lot of athleticism to boot. All right. We'll plug him in there. He's uh he's on the list now. He's on the list of cornerbacks to watch for those San Francisco 49ers. Shout out to and his mom. Shout out to Croc, the cornerback expert that we get to talk ball with every day here on Locked On 49ers. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen for your second listen. Check out Croc doing the Locked On NFL Draft podcast every day here on the network. I'm doing Peacock and Williamson talking about the entire NFL every single day. Croc and I back tomorrow. Going live? We going live, Croc? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll be in California. We'll see if I have a good Yeet. internet connection. Dude, you're you're putting up some serious airline miles, man. My my son, man, he's running track out there, so I can't can't miss my baby run. All right, high school we freshman will, freshman year. So I don't think it'll be live, but we will be back tomorrow right here. <laughs> Locks on 49ers.